Thank you so much. Thank you, Lexi. Hey, friends, great to see every last one of you today. Love you a ton. This camera, right? I'm looking at this one right here. Love all the, let's give it up for all the leaders that are watching right now as well. Love you tremendously. Uh, we've got a bunch of folks now on Facebook uh, and Instagram, and just love that so, so much, what God is doing. Thrilled that all of y'all are in the room. Thrilled that everybody is listening, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube or wherever. You might be grabbing this. I'm really excited to share a little bit today. Uh, times are definitely changing and things are adjusting in our world, as we could all see, right? Things are, are adjusting, but there's a lot of things that are also aren't that, things that aren't changing. There are a lot of things that are staying very much the same. And if you like, if you like the Bible, if you like uh, culture stuff, and if you like leadership stuff, you're really going to enjoy today because I got a mix of all of that stuff uh, in there. Uh, because for us as a family, for us as a church, and we got all these awesome interns in the room right now. Amazing and phenomenal, and you guys will be leading us in just a few years, so we're already incredibly proud of all of you, not just the teenager ones, but the adult ones as well. Um, with, with everything that is going on in our world, I, I want you guys to know, uh, you know, there's some things we're not moving from. There's some things for us as a church family that are just steady and solid and consistent. There's some things uh, that we're not stepping back from. And if you've gone through Growth Track, you've, you've heard me talk about some of these things. Uh, but I just thought it necessary since we're kind of revamping and, and there's so many new people coming. I keep seeing every week, it's like, oh, I just started coming or I was watching during COVID and now I'm here. And I, so I keep hearing all these new. I just want to make sure we're pointed the right direction. I want to make sure us as a church family, especially all the leaders, everybody who is saying, hey, I'm on the serve team or this is my church or this is, this is my community. I really want to make sure that we're pointed the right direction. I don't want things to happen on accident. I want, I want it to happen on purpose. So, so let's begin to walk through some stuff. If you have your Bible, you can go to Exodus 33. Exodus chapter 33. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to take too long here. Let me see. Is that clock going down? Is that what that is? Okay, perfect. So uh, Tyler gave me a time, I guess. Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> it's like you have this, you have this much time. Uh, Exodus chapter 33. And in, in, in the beginning of it, uh, God is he's really upset uh, with his kids. They've made some really foolish choices with the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32, and he's just, he's really, really bothered. And he's like, hey, you can head to the land of promise uh, that I have for you, but I'm not going with you. Uh, you, you can go, but I, I'm not going with you. Uh, my presence, my face, is, is, it's, not go, it's not going with you. And, and Moses goes out, and he goes to the tent of meeting, is what it's called. And I, I just love this tent of meeting. It's the place where Moses would go, and anybody, honestly, in the community that wanted to meet with God, they would go here to inquire of the Lord. And Moses goes out there, and all the people, they stand up at their, at their homes as he begins to walk out there. And as he stands out there praying, uh, all the people are in front of their tents, and they stand and they worship as long as Moses is out there at the tent. And all this community, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have just made some foolish decisions mm -hmm. are now standing there and they're worshiping. And Moses has this conversation with God. In verse number 12, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found, I have found, you have found favor with me. And he's like, God, if, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways 
so I may know you and, and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. They're not mine. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with, and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You can see here the intensity that Moses has. I can even feel it in this room here. You can just sense, you know, God saying, hey, I'll, I, I'm, I'm going to drop. I'm, I'm going to sit in this moment. And the people are hungry for God. And Moses is here crying out to God. And he's like, hey, you called me to lead. You asked me to be an intern. You asked me to be on the serve team. You asked me to lead. But I, I need, number one, I need you to send somebody with me, okay? because I'm, really, I'm feeling really, really scared. But, but not only am I scared, if you're saying I found favorite, if you're saying you're for me, if you're saying you're with me, God, I just need you to stay by my side. And God's like, hey, I just want you to know my presence is going with you. Moses is like, it has to go, because if it doesn't, there's nothing else that I have that would distinguish me from all the other people on the earth. I don't speak well enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not hip enough. I'm, I don't do this well enough. I don't do that well enough. And what I need to separate me from everything else in in the world is I need your presence. And for us as a church family, I just want to let you know, this is a bedrock for us. We don't move away from this. We aren't moving forward unless we have the presence and the power of Almighty God all over us. That's why we have times of prayer every week. That's why we keep opening up our Bibles. That's why we fight for surrender. That's why we don't let bitterness and anger and offense live in our hearts because we don't want anything that's going to hinder the presence of God from flowing through us. So if you're a business leader, if you're a student, if you're single or if you're married, I'm just telling you, you don't want to do what you've been called to do without his presence. Yeah. You don't sing well enough. You don't do, your spreadsheets aren't sharp enough. You're not good enough in your creative space. I'm not a good enough leader. What we need is the presence of God. I'm telling you, it will separate you. You can pray over an application. God, I pray that you put my, your presence on this application. I pray that when somebody picks up my job application, they, they see it, and they're like, mm, there's just something different about this person, and it's not even you. It's not all of the criteria, all the, all the accomplishments you have. It's like it's the presence of Almighty God. That is is what separates us. So for us at Shoreline City, where I, I love that we have all of our J's and cool shoes and stuff. Where, where, this camera shows all the J's. Uh, this one? Yeah, right there. I, I see, I, see uh, I got Jono back behind there. I think he's wearing Yeezys. Oh, my goodness, okay? You're not going to catch me wearing that stuff. I'm not going to be on Preacher Sneaker. <laughs> uh... You got, you got people wearing their cool shoes, and, I, and I, that's cool. That's great. I have no problem with that. But that's not what separates us. I'm glad we, you know, we got lights, and I love our music, man. How about our worship team? And all that? Man, so proud of them. But there, there's music in clubs. There are concerts that are happening all over the place. What will separate our music? 
is the presence of God being on it. And that is what we are desperate for here. This is what we are saying, God, God, I'll walk and I'll go wherever you need me to go. I'll pause. I'll, I'll slow down. Say, I need my heart and my eyes and my mind to be fixed and focused on you, not on my shortcomings, yeah, right. not on my gifts, but on you and your presence. I want your face more than I want any popularity, more than I want any pats on the back. I want your face. I want your presence. Yeah. This is something we're not moving away from. We rely on the presence of Almighty God. Let me keep on going here. Let me keep on going. Uh, go to, um, let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. This is known as the Great Commission. For those of you who have never uh, heard that little label that's been put on it. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, I, I have this, but therefore I want you to go. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's the next thing that we do here? Not just relying on God's presence, but we raise up leaders. We don't raise up spectators. We're not trying to raise up people that are fans of Shoreline. We're not trying to raise up people that are fans of Earl and Onika. We're not trying to raise up people that are fans of whomever, whatever staff person, whatever campus. Like, oh, this is my campus. Yeah, but that you should not be the bigger, bigger fan of your campus and your are of Jesus. We are trying to raise up leaders. We, are, we see a leader in every single one of you. We see that God's hand is on your life. We know that God does not make junk. So for every person in this room and every person on the other side of that camera, I want you to see yourself the way God sees you. He does not see you as just of living and existing and then dying one day so that you can get to heaven. He sees you as a warrior. He sees you as someone with a, you can solve a problem in this generation. Somebody, matter of fact, was praying and God thought, you know what? I'm going to bring you into the world so you, I can use you to be an answer to their prayers. That's the goodness and the grace of Almighty God. You are a leader. You are a leader. You are a leader. You are a leader. I need you to see yourself that way. But we're not just any leader. We want to be Christ-like leaders. We want to be leaders that drip with the presence of God and live and walk and serve how Jesus did. So when Jesus walked into a place with confidence, that's how you walk into a place. When Jesus walked into a place and washed people's feet, that's how you walk into a place. When Jesus walked in and flipped some tables, sometimes you might have to flip some table. Whatever you need to do to be like Jesus in alignment with his person and his way and his will, that's who you are. I need you to see your the way God sees you. And we as a church family have been called to make disciples, make leaders, make people that look like Jesus, smell like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus. That is our objective. Okay, let me keep on going here. Tyler, Tyler only gave me 15 minutes. Tyler only gave me 15 minutes. Let me, let me go. Let me see. Let me see one my third one. Let me see. Let me go. Let me go. Let's go to Acts. Let's go to Acts. Let's go to Acts. Okay, let me show you, let me show you this verse. Uh, this is going to r- random verse, random verse. Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 26. This is, this is random, but it's important. Uh, Acts 9, uh, 26. 
when he came to Jerusalem, this is uh, Saul, the apostle, well, going to be the apostle Paul. His name was first Saul. Uh, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Well, why were they afraid of him? Because he was the one that was persecuting the church, okay? So this guy, he is religious to his core. He feels like he's doing the right thing, and he's throwing people in jail and killing them, okay? So same kind of stuff still happens with religious people today, right? We're like, I love Jesus so much, let me kill you, okay? <laughs> Uh, there's a disconnect there, but the Apostle Paul, uh, he's, he's on his way. God interrupts his life, and he's changed, okay? He comes to Jerusalem, and he, he's trying to talk to all the other apostles, like, you know, Peter and James and John. He's trying to talk to them, and they're like, mm-mm. You can't come in here. You've been trying to kill us. We know you. You're not, you're not tricking us. Um, so... Um, so they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. It was Barnabas who made the way for Paul to have the impact that he has in the world today. Now, Jesus had to change his life, for sure. It was Jesus that changed his life. But it took a friend. It took somebody else that was willing to say, hey, hey, I vouch for him. He's with me. Guys, I'm telling you, he's with me. But I started thinking about Barnabas. Do you know how he showed us up on the scene? I'm going to show you. Acts. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4. This is how he shows up. This is the first time we hear about him in the Bible. Acts chapter 4, verse number uh, 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So you can see all throughout Acts how he actually is a big encourager. Sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I don't, I don't want God to say anything about my money. I want God to say the money that he received from selling his land. He brought it when all the, I mean, the church is growing. Amazing things are happening. Lives are being transformed. He's like, I own some land. Jesus changed my life. I'm going to sell my land. I'm going to take the money. I'm going to bring it to the apostles. So that the message of Jesus Christ can continue to go all throughout the earth. So that the poor can be fed. So that the widows can be cared for. So that people can experience heaven on earth. I've got some property. I'll sell it. I'm going to bring the money. This is what opens the door for Barnabas to have his influence in the church. Finances. I just want to tell you. For us as a church family, God has given us ridiculously huge visions and dreams. We see campuses all over the world. 
We see people being rescued out of sex trafficking. We see people having their marriages restored. We see people having godly counselors. We see people getting out of anxiety and depression. We see young people being raised up to be the leaders God has called them to be. We see teenagers becoming who God has called them to be. We see college students becoming who God has called them to be. We see, I can go down the line. We, I got Uptown in my brain. Let's launch a campus there. We got Guatemala City. Shoot, let's go to South Dallas. Why not Arlington? What, what's going on in Costa Rica? Hey, maybe South Africa. Give me, give me Atlanta. You name a spot. Where is God asking us to go? And all these places that God is asking us to go will require some individuals to go, you know what? Jesus has so changed me. Let me sell some stuff here and say, God, all this belongs to you. And that type of worship opens doors for miracles that take place all over the world. Okay, my last one. Okay, the first one, we got, we got presence. We, got, we, got, we need presence. Uh, next one is we're raising up leaders. We got to rely on God's presence. We got to raise up leaders. The next one, we're going to have to have, we're going to need our finances. Uh, uh, and now the last one, the last one, the last one. Oh, man, I got so many different ways I can go. Let's go, let's go to John 4. Let's go to John 4. Uh, John chapter 4, a verse number 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. It says he had to. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, they don't associate with Samaritans. Um, this last one, we've got relying on God's presence. If we've got, we're going to raise up leaders. If we've got resources, finances. This last one is we remember the one. With us shifting things that are going on in our world, we remember the one. For us as a church, we remember the one. Uh, so, so here Jesus says he had to go through Samaria. Those of you who are Bible scholars will know he actually didn't have to. He actually, he actually chose to. So the have to here is he, I, I need to meet with someone. He had to send his disciples away because I think they would have messed it up. Okay, because they come back later and they're like, why is he talking to that woman over there? Because they know who she is and the type of woman she is, and it makes no sense that he's supposed to be interacting with her. Yeah. So we had to send, hey, y'all go get me something to eat. Yeah. You guys go get, because you're going to mess it up. <laughs> go, yeah. go get some food. Go get some food. So, so I, have a meet, I have a meeting with someone. Yeah. Wow. He sits down. He talks with this woman, because what Jews you would usually do is instead of going through Samaria, they would actually go around it. Wow. Wow. They would go around it. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to go right through it because of this one woman. I was this one man. You were this one woman, this one man. And Jesus is willing to come and sit down with us. This is why, this is why we're not asking people in our church family to just expect, we don't just expect pastors to love and connect with people. 
We just expect the staff to do it. No, no, friends, no, friends, no, no, no. You get to be Jesus to somebody at an axe-throwing <laughs> shop or on your college campus or at your company or on your team. The one that people want to avoid, you're the one that you go sit down next to them. You say, hey, guys, go, go give me something to eat. Go give me something to eat. And you sit down. And you ask questions, and you get to know, and you can read it later. Jesus is really kind, but he also confronts the woman. And we like to think if I'm, if Jesus is so loving, he doesn't confront, but he actually confronts because he loves so much. So he he says, hey, hey, uh, go talk to your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, I know, you got like 30 of them. (laughs) And the guy you're living with right now, he's not your husband either. She's like, oh, you're a prophet. (laughs) That's really what happens. But he's willing to deal with the tension and the struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Remember the one. So for us, we're going to rely on God's presence. Yeah, okay. We're going to raise up leaders. Yes. We're going to bring our resources. Yes. And we're going to remember the one. And we're going to do all this to make it on earth as it is in heaven. That is all I got for all of us today. Love you guys so very much. Love all of you.